You know, it's taken me nearly 40 years to figure out that when you get out of your lane, you get run over. That's how it is, especially when you talk about your relationships with other people. Let's talk about staying in your lane. Have you ever been in a situation where you're you're hanging out with someone you love, right? And and all of a sudden something happens and the next thing you know you're in a you're the, the mood has changed and and they're doing the th- that thing they always do and and pretty soon they drag you into it and then you're doing that thing you always do and it always ends up the same way. You're pissed off, someone's crying. You wake up questioning your choices about your relationship, doubting yourself, feeling about two inches tall because they've shamed you or you've shamed them or you've done something you shouldn't have done. Can you imagine how great it would be if you could avoid that, if you had a tool you could use so when that situation shows up, when that situation shows up, instead of doing what you always do, you take a different path. Instead of getting upset because they get upset, you stay in your lane. And instead of being a part of the problem, you become part of the solution. Listen, we all have it because unfortunately, just because we can be in a relationship doesn't mean we have the skills to be in a good relationship, to develop that relationship to the point that you're actually waking up every day excited about the direction you and your partner are going. Hey, if you want to learn something new, I'm going to give you something here. This is coming from my heart. If you'll stick around, we're going to talk about what it means to stay in your lane and some of the tools you can use to make that happen. I hope you'll stick around. All right, if you think about the process of a relationship, especially conflict, because when you have conflict in your life and it just continues to repeat and repeat itself, it just it just damages both of you. It's like every every so often you just get run over by a truck emotionally. And we all think about, well, how can we change that? How can we fix that dynamic so that it we, we can grow? The problem we have is that none of us have been given the skills. We're not born with the skills to be in relationship. We're, we're born with a natural uh, desire to have a partner, to have a mate, to have children, right? And I, Sandy and I are a prime example of that. We got married when we were way too young. We were still kids. She was 16. I was 18. And here we are 41 years later, and I can tell you that it hasn't all been this bump-free, trouble-free experience. In fact, I think until, I think our first 30 years or more was riddled with conflict. And we, and for 30 years, can you imagine 30 years doing the same exact thing? It's slowly degrading the quality of your relationship, how you feel about each other, and it's building these mountains of resentment and anger and frustration. And you lay there in bed at night and you think, what the hell am I doing? I mean, you, you love your family, you love your partner, you don't, you don't want to break it up, but for some reason you can't seem to, to get it fixed. You can't seem to break that cycle that just repeats itself and repeats itself. It took me, let's see, I think it was the introduction of Brene Brown and the power of vulnerability that actually brought me to the realization, first of all, to understand why 
it was that I was reacting the way I was because here's a little history on me. I used to be this angry, controlling, I don't want to say asshole, but I, because I was never really mean just for the sake of being mean, but Sandy and I, our relationship had developed to the point that we, she was, she would react the way she did, or if she, if I left her feeling a certain way, which back then was not, not very difficult at all. I mean, I, I'd get a look on my face and it would devastate her. And rightfully so, because in the early days, when I got that look, usually there was something brewing, something coming, right? And today, for the most part, if she sees that look, you know what she does. And, and it, those are habitual. I mean, sometimes it's just me thinking real hard. But when she sees that look and she sees that feeling, what we've been able to do is we've been she's been able to figure out a way to keep her life, her feelings, her emotions in her lane and not jump into that car, that, that emotional place that she thinks I am. And I got to tell you, it's made all the difference in the world. When everyone in the, in the room is screaming, if you jump in there and you start screaming too and you do what everyone else is doing, I guarantee no one gets heard. And more than that, nothing gets fixed. I never dreamed that I would actually have the ability to say, hey, hey, baby, don't do that. That really bothers me. Or can we talk about this? And it's, it's uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable. But there's, a, there's an element of trust there that's created when you conduct, uh, when you manage your relationship in that way. When you, when you build that type of trust where you can say, hey, listen, honey, you're, that, that, really, I'm, that really bothers me. Can, you, can we talk about it or can you stop doing it? Instead of getting a rebuttal and that turning into a conflict or because I'm going to respond like I always do, or she's going to respond like she's always does, we've developed some rules and some strategies for how we can avoid jumping into that emotional car and keeping our life and our emotions in our lane. And instead of being part of the problem, guess what? We become part of the solution. And the result is we wake up excited about our life. We can talk about tough subjects and tough topics we make adjustments in ourselves, and we make sacrifices for each other in order to enhance our life based not on what we want but what on our what our partner wants what our partner needs and the most important aspect of that is is the ability to define boundaries that we hold to to such a degree that we are willing to stand up and say, listen, I understand you're upset and I understand you're having an issue, but I'm not upset. I'm not angry with you and I'm here to help. And along, as long as you allow me to do that and you bring your level down to the point that you stay in your lane and, and you develop some skills to communicate, it just gets so so much better. No relationship is perfect, but I'll tell you what, by the time you get done with this podcast, I guarantee you you will have learned something. This isn't all about how great life is. This is about how you can actually affect lasting and meaningful change in your relationship and in your life. Let's talk about what it means to stay in your lane. I don't think there's anyone in the world will argue with me that you should be looking at the road when you're driving. And yet... 
I can't count the number of people I've seen running down the road, their cell phone in their hand. They're running 70 miles an hour. There they are passing me. I've got my RV. The highway is busy as hell. There's semi trucks. And I'm just thinking, that's crazy. I mean, after all, we all know what can happen when you're not paying attention to your driving, right? There's, there's stories of it every day. Tragedies occur every day when it comes to that. The unfortunate truth is when you take that scenario, it is actually the perfect analogy to talk about a lot of the habits we get into with regard to our relationships with the people we love. Think about it. What happens when the person you love, someone you love, gets all upset and excited about something that's going on in their life or something you've done or something someone else has done? What happens when you jump into that with them, when you when you assume your responsibility or your habit when it comes to how you react to that? You get all upset and you get all excited because they're excited and they're upset and they're yelling at you or they're raising hell with you or they're challenging you or they're trying to shame you. You end up in a wreck, right? It's a long night of fighting and of course there's probably some alcohol involved and that's usually a catalyst to bring out the ugly in most people. And of course, this is all compounded by the fact that uh, for the most part, we jump into relationships without any real guidance for how to actually function in a relationship, how to correct those behaviors, how to eliminate those things that continue to degrade the quality of the relationship and diminish the experience of sharing your life with a person that you, you truly started out loving in the beginning. Let's think about it. You... In the beginning, you you could not get enough of them. And then slowly, because you keep having these wrecks where she gets out of her lane and you get out of your lane and then it's a big explosion and, and that damage is residual. It just carries on. And over, over time, it's like, it's like water dripping on sandstone and that love and those, those, those elements of your relationship that, that caused you to come together, they, they, slowly wash away and the problem with that is it's clearly it's all it's avoidable and and this is where a lot of people are like well i don't understand i mean i i I, she just says these things and it pisses me off or he he just he won't listen or he won't help out or he won't do what i need him to do and i i've tried everything have you tried staying in your lane have you tried not assuming the emotional attitude of the people you're dealing with or the person you're dealing with. Prime example, I would come home and I'd have a bad day at work and I'd have a look on my face and I would walk in the door and Sandy, because of who she was and how she was raised and the fact that neither one of us had any understanding of what it means to be in a relationship or had any tools for rectifying the situation, a mere look on my face would cause us to blow up. Pretty soon, she'd be upset because I had a look on my face, and I'd be upset because she said, what's the matter? And I'd say nothing, and I was lying to her. And then she'd get upset because she knew there was something wrong, and then and then I'd get upset because she'd start yelling or start asking me why I always do that. And it was just this same vicious cycle that never seemed to change. And let me just say this. The reason that we're where we are now is because I just kept thinking to myself, this there's got to be a better way to do this thing. There's got to be a better way to 
to share your life with someone you truly love and care about and not spend all your entire life running into each other, going off the, off the tracks and fighting. And it just seemed to be this perpetual cycle. And if you think about it in your life, think about the cycle that you experience with the partner you love. And it's, it's always going to be the same sequence. Different topics, same sequence. You're sitting around, you're having a drink, the evening's going fine, all of a sudden, she or he says something, and it just hits you wrong, and you feel that, you get that feeling in your stomach, and you're like, ugh. And so, what's the response? Well, usually, it's you respond the way you always respond. You throw your shields up, and you throw something back out in defense to justify or to deflect or whatever your your go-to response is. And and then if you look at the remainder, everything that happens after that, it's like it's like this. It's like the rerun of Groundhog Day. Change the change the actors. Change the issues that drive it. You're doing the same thing over and over again. And why do you suppose that is? If you look back at your life, if you look back at, at where you came from and all of the experiences and education and your knowledge base, I guarantee one of the things you don't have in your, in your toolbox is a solid strategy, a solid understanding of things you can do to improve the quality of your relationship. And if there was ever anything that can improve that, it is learning to stay in your lane when things get crazy. What the hell am I talking about, right? Let me give you some examples. I think I want to start by giving you the most uh, the most significant example in our relationship. That way you kind of understand what we're talking about here. So... Sandy and I were we're moving along, and our our relationship has kind of been growing. I mean, our life has been changing. And at one point, about 2016, I retired from the federal prison. Now, a couple of things going on there. Sandy still had a few years to work. It was an unexpected retirement. They had changed the rules. I was supposed to actually have 11 year or 11 months more. I retired 11 months early unexpectedly. I learned in December that in January I could retire. And of course, after 23 and a half years in a federal prison, I was more than ready for that. The unfortunate part about it was Sandy, she wasn't ready. She wasn't ready for it. And of course, we had we 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 had no and so we had this struggle going on, and here I am, I'm riding my, my new mountain bike, and I'm losing weight, and life is good for me. I'm hanging out, doing whatever I want, and she gets up every day, and she's going to work. And there I am, all excited in my new experience as a new retiree, so I come home one day, and it all kind of, it all kind of blows up. But prior to this, I had been back in that mode where I'm trying to figure out why our relationship was where it was at and how I could possibly change it. And, you know, I don't know if it was the universe or just pure luck, but my son sent me the book, The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. And it actually plays an essential role in where we are right now because I'd been listening to the book and I'd been trying to coax Sandy into listening to the book. So here we are. I don't know if it's lunchtime or it's after she got off work, but I come in from what I'm doing and the wheels start coming off like they always do. And what I learned from the from Brene Brown's book is about shame and why those triggers that caused me to react to Sandy the way I did, why they actually happen. And I had made a new plan for myself. I had decided that instead of being a 
participant in the melee and start a instead of jumping into that demolition derby called our relationship i decided you know i'm just going to stay on the sidelines and i'm going to provide guidance and i'm, I'm not going to be part of this show i'm actually just going to be you know the assistant i'm going to be the first responder that's what i'm talking about about staying in your lane see here's the ticket what we fail to understand is just because our partner is upset it does it's not a requirement that we get upset and in, and the problem is it's kind of innate to us. I think it's a it's a natural thing. I don't know if you ever noticed that that when when like you take a herd of any animals, if if like a gazelle on the Serengeti, if they get all alerted and hype, it just spreads through the entire herd, and pretty soon everybody's all excited. And I I suspect that that has a lot to do with it. it is it is actually a, an organic thing that's part of our survival instinct. So when when she's all hyped up and she's in her war mode and she's ready Ready to attack of course that throws me in my war mode because i'm like okay there's some there's trouble coming the concept of staying in your lane is you we don't have any obligation to adopt the emotional status of our partner it's okay for them to be upset and us not to be upset and more than that it's essential that when they're upset, we don't jump in that car with them. Because as you know, if you look at your history, your history with your relation with your partner, that cycle continues, right? They get upset about something, then you get upset about something, then a lot of things are said. The elevation and emotion escalates. And in the end, when you wake up the next morning, there isn't anything about your life that's made better and nothing changes. Now sit back and think for a minute. Can you imagine if you actually find yourself in that situation and you can actually break the cycle by simply standing in your lane instead of being part of the problem, you become part of the solution? That's what I did. That's what I did in our relationship and that's what I continue to do. And it's I, I refer to it as centering I usually, it's indicated for me, the reminder for me is a physical one. I usually, I tap the center of my chest. And as a result, what that does is that brings me back into thinking about where I am emotionally and ensures that instead of being part of the problem, my interaction in that relationship actually allows me to become part of the solution. And you can too. So let's go ahead and jump into centering and how we can actually affect positive change in those situations that used to result in chaos all right so i'm gonna tell you right now if you don't have a plan you're gonna end up someplace besides where you want to end up and that seems to be the big issue i don't think anyone realizes that the planning that goes into successful companies and the development of projects and even even simple things like building a house those same concepts need, can not only can, but must be applied to our life, to our relationship. If we want to affect lasting positive change, if we want to develop those tools in our toolbox that allow us to fight, to sit in comfortable situations and come out of those comfortable situations, not only feeling better about ourselves, but about our relationship and knowing that that's a situation we will never have to face again. And if we do, it will come out the same way. It all comes down to comfort, right? You're not going to have a conversation with your partner if you fear that the outcome is going to be you get verbally beat up because neither one of you have developed any kind of a plan for how you address 
the issues that you have. So let's start with talking about this plan. What, what am I talking about? So in my case, after listening to Brene Brown's book, The Power of Vulnerability, like for three times, and I think the second time I listened to it, I really suggested to my wife, I says, hey, baby, you should really listen to this book. And we share our Audible account. So she had access to it. And what I got was resistance. And the resistance I got is in part because, of course, because of our relationship, she wasn't going to do anything, I said, number one. And the other thing was, is that it's just a, I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with me. We want to believe there's nothing wrong with us and it's the other person's fault. That's the default because, let's face it, having a great relationship requires effort. It requires doing something that we're currently not doing. But I had I was so depleted. My energy levels for our relationship and the level of satisfaction that I was feeling in our relationship, I said, screw it. I'm going to try something new. Because amid it all, I truly love my wife. Even back when we were struggling, there was just a part of me. I just, I wanted it to be great so bad. I just didn't have any tools. And what's funny about it was the answer was right in front of me. There I am working in a federal prison and we had emergencies all the time. We had, I don't know how many riots I was involved in, how many fights. I can't even keep track, right? But no matter how much chaos was going on around us as staff, as the employees that worked in that prison, very few of us, we always maintained a focus and we were, we did not assume the level of excitement and that, that emotional state that the inmates were in, Right. And the reason for that is because we're first responders. Our responsibility is to evaluate the situation and make decisions that de-escalate the situation and resolve the issue. And I started listening to Brene Brown. I started thinking, wait a minute, I'm going to be Sandy's first responder. And instead of getting all caught up emotionally in what she was emotionally caught up in, I just, I stayed neutral. I Tap myself in the center of my chest, which reminded me that I am in a neutral emotional state. I'm here to help. I'm not here to add fuel to the fire. And I got to tell you, at first, it freaked her out because she wasn't getting the response she was getting. The cool part about it was I didn't have to feel bad. I didn't have to feel the same level of frustration. Because what happens when you multiply frustration? It gets worse. Well, that equation was cut in half the moment I decided to stay centered to keep my emotional car in my lane and not jump in with her like I had been for the previous 35 years or more. And it was life changing. So I made a plan and my plan included responding to her in a different way when she's upset. Instead of being upset with her, I would stay calm and then I would ask her, how can I help? What's the matter? How can I help? I mean, let's face it. If your partner was laying on the ground moaning, you would run up to him with empathy and compassion and you'd do anything for them to heal whatever's been, whatever injuries they have. Well, this same concept applies to your relationship, to your emotional standing of your partner. If, you're, if your partner's yelling or screaming or crying, there's something wrong. They're injured. They're hurt some way. They're, they're feeling some sort of pain and they're trying to discharge that pain. 
And it's not going to help for you to jump in and, and absorb that pain and then add to the discomfort. You're not going to see your partner laying on the ground, their knee twisted or their leg twisted behind them. You're not going to show up there and go, oh, and you're going to poke their leg. Does that hurt? Does that hurt? And that's what we do when we allow ourselves to become emotionally entangled in, this tr- in the struggles that the people we love are having. And I know it's difficult. It is difficult. It can be difficult, but it's only because we don't have a plan. I promise you, once I started becoming the first responder, once I started saying, listen, baby, I understand. Let me help you. And she would push back and I'd say, no, I'm not going to do, we're not going to fight. I don't want to fight with you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry. I'm asking you, what can I do to make it better? And it was crazy amazing how quickly it turned around unfortunately it's a lot easier said than done but once you decide that you want to be your partner's first responder you want to take care of them emotionally as well as physically i guarantee you you can't even imagine where your relationship is going It was funny about this is it's this this concept while it started with my relationship what it's turned into it's the foundation of how I stay centered within my own life within my own thinking emotionally and physically and and you can apply this to any aspect of your life not just your relationship think about it so here's an example let's step outside the relationship realm for a minute when we talk about staying in your lane let's talk about just influences, things that you take in from the external world, the news and, and the interactions of people around you. I don't have any use for the political environment. I have no use for angry people. I don't have any use for uh, for for drama in my life. In fact, here's here's my standard for my life as it sits today. And that is, if the things in my life, if any aspect of my life does not create value or add value to my life, Two things are going to happen. Number one, I'm going to try to affect change in that if, in fact, I believe in that or I, I own, I take ownership in that and I have value in that. But there's a point when if that doesn't happen, I'm stepping away from it, right? And some of the things that I don't allow myself to become emotionally involved in or I focus on stand my lane, I mean, the political environment in the world, I don't take anything into my body, either physically or mentally, that degrades the quality of my life. And someone said, well, yeah, I've heard you talking about drinking. Yes, I have a few drinks now and then, but there by no means does alcohol inhibit me or diminish the quality of my life in any way. And if I ever found myself at that point where it did, if Sandy and I were getting drunk every night and then spending the night until two in the morning arguing and fighting, with the current tools I have, that's not even a possibility. That's not in the cards. And the same is true for the information you take in. If you're watching the news and and it's making you angry or you're getting angry because of it and you feel a lot of frustration in your life, You have to evaluate the value that you're getting from that. And, of course, when someone expresses their opinion about what they believe, you have two choices, just like you do with your partner. You can say, all right, well, I'll show you my side of it, and I'll get as stupid and ugly as you do. Or 
You can become a first responder. You can evaluate the situation from a neutral platform. You don't have to get all excited and upset. You can you can simply say, you know what, that's not that's not my business. You can touch yourself in the center of your chest, remind yourself that you are going to center yourself. And as soon as you develop that habit, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter how excited they are. You're not going to get excited. And more than that, you're going to escape that situation one way or the other, whether you just shut your mouth or you walk away. The point here is most of us don't have the understanding of why our relationships go off the tracks, why we end up in these wrecks with the people we love and the people around us. And ultimately, it comes down to the fact that someone says something or does something. And instead of us remaining neutral and being a first responder who's supposed to be calm and focused on the situation and analyzing what's going on and evaluating the threats and how to fix the problem... Our default is to defend ourselves and, and go to war and, and attack. It's not because there's anything wrong with us. It's simply because, for the most part, none of us have ever taken the time to understand who we are and why situations end up the way they do, the dynamics of a situation. It takes, it takes you just stepping back for a minute and asking yourself, Is my yelling going to make it better? Is my engaging my partner or or any aspect of my life in the manner in which someone is engaging me going to make it better or worse? If you don't want to run off the tracks, if you don't want to hit a brick wall, you kind of have to stay in your lane. And sometimes it requires you to have a plan to take a look at where you want your life to be and then to focus on that amid the chaos that's going around you. And by all means, when it comes to your partner and the people you love, don't be part of the problem. Be the solution. Because when you're in your lane, it's a hell of a lot easier to reach over, grab the wheel, and pull them back into their lane and teach them how to keep from running off the tracks. I'm telling you from experience, it worked for me. I don't, I don't think we've ever had a better relationship than we do now. And I, it's, it's, it's not that far off. But someone has to start it. Someone has to decide, hey, listen, I'm going to go out and get the tools I need to make this happen. And before you know it, you'll be waking up going, damn, I wish, I'd, I wish the hell I'd have done that years ago. I know I do. I don't know, guys. I think I might have figured it out. I'm not going to yell at you anymore. We're going to talk about some real issues. Hopefully, I can give you some guidance into some of the things that are going on. We are all inherently broken, and it's up to us. It's our responsibility, not only to ourselves, but to our family and the people we love, to live the best possible life we can, to, to not waste our time arguing and fighting and struggling for something we don't have the skills to create. Do yourself a favor. Do you, the people you love a favor. Take a step back and ask yourself, am I really equipped to deal with this? Do I really have the tools necessary to help not only myself grow, but my partner grow? Am I really satisfied with where I am? Or is there something I would like to see happen in 
my relationship. When you ask that question and you wake up every day from a position of kindness and and a, a position of wanting to be better as a partner, better as a father, better as a friend, that's the catalyst that causes us to start looking at the fact that we don't have a plan. And it's oftentimes what we don't know that will have the most impact on our life. And we have an obligation to ourselves, to our family, to try and make it better. This is your opportunity. And it starts by learning that when the world is in chaos, when life is in chaos around you, that is not a time for you to jump into that melee and start yielding your sword and become part of the problem. If you'd asked me 20 years ago if I'd be sitting here right now talking about this, I never would have imagined it. It is a life-changing experience. And like everything else in your life, we don't get good at things until we practice them, until we learn about them, until we master those skills. And your relationship is no different. And learning to stay in your lane is a necessary element of success in your relationship, not only for you, but for the people you love. I can't really I can't really say I don't know what you think about this podcast but I'm going to tell you something I feel energized and excited about it I'm feeling like maybe finally after 400 and some odd podcasts all the effort that I've put into doing this and doing it well that I've actually, I think I'm actually beginning to hit my mark. I'm hitting my stride. I hope it helps. I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to me. If you like the podcast, please share it. Please apply it to your life. Take a look at where you are in life and ask yourself one simple question. How can I make it better? Define what that looks like in the form of a plan and then start working towards it. As you can see, I'm not giving up on it in part because this conversation with you helps me keep my, keeps my life in my lane, keeps my decisions on track with where I want my relationship in my life to be. And I want to thank you for that. If you're liking what I'm doing, please do me a favor, hit the share button, hit the like button. I would love to hear from you on this one. I, I think I've, I've hit the pinnacle. I think I've broken over the other side and I kind of understand how to deliver this story in a way that you can understand it. I hope you'll, uh, I hope you agree with me until next time. Launch every decision you make from a platform of kindness. That is a great place to start. Until next time, my name is Chris Hawkins, and this is Your Best Life Defined.